Hello, and welcome to a special edition of the FT Advisor podcast, which is one in a series of episodes which will look at how the financial advice market will look when it comes out of the coronavirus pandemic and the lockdown which has been taking place over the UK. With me today to discuss networks are Mark Scanlon, the Chief Executive of Tenet, and John Cowan, the Executive Chairman of Sesame Bankroll Group. Networks have been through a tumultuous period, I suppose. The um, several people over the course of the past few years have declared that networks are dead, then networks have been alive, then they've been dead again. And well, I guess we're about to find out where they are now. So without further ado, uh, I'd like to welcome both of my guests to see what will, they will look like in the next few months, years, how they will change permanently, temporarily. Hello both. Good afternoon. So, Coronavirus has shown how important technology and um, back office processes are, and it's accelerated the move towards paperless processes, as an example. Um, what change will the service networks offer see, um, and how will it change the, the way that you uh, go about offering your service? I, I think technology is, is absolutely here to stay, and I think uh, the acceleration towards paperless is only going to increased. Uh, we at Tenet implemented a new system, office system intelligent office last year, which is a web-based distributed system, if you like. Uh, while difficult to, to adopt on um, such a huge uh, form as we did, um, it really is showing some real positives to us now because, we, of course, what we pay our, our members uh, every week and that system remains in place whether we were working from home or whether we were working from the office. So huge resilience uh, within the system to be able to do that, which I think is, is absolutely a pointer for the future. Uh, completely paperless in, in the way that it operates. I think from a, from a, from a wider perspective, um, it's how the ecosystem functions and how, uh, how well some of the providers can accept uh, digital information, you know, um, digital signatures, for instance. Um, but I think there's been massive change towards that that I think is here to stay. Uh, and I think is a, is a cornerstone of how we will operate. Um, there are lots and lots of different elements that, that are coming to play. So, you know, for instance, um, our, our members can conduct video conferences that are contained within the system and then are logged within the system, uh, as it does with emails, as it does with voice recordings. So it's, it's a real digital repository for information that just saves so much time and effort, creates a really good um, process of, of managing the, the compliance around these elements. Um, so I think from point of view of technology and, and processes, I think we want to move more and more towards the digital and the paperless activity. And John, has this period uh, pushed your business in particular and um, its competitors uh, in general in, in to, to take this to its, an even greater degree? Um, I think all of us. I think I agree. I agree with what Mark was saying. Uh, I think all of us have been have been thinking deeply about the use and the deployment of technology across uh, our businesses. Obviously, COVID nineteen has is is a, is a pivotal moment for us. At Sesame Bank Hall Group, we are a very we're a waterfront company in the sense that we're agnostic whether someone wants to be using our bank hall type services um, or whether they want to join the network. I think that in terms of changes, I think um, I think absolute deployment of technology. I think we're at the beginning of actually. I think we're we're right at the beginning of of a new era in terms of how we use technology. We need to think of the end client, of course, the end customer, 
who wants to deal with financial advisors. And um, so talking about Teams and Skype and Zoom and so on uh, is just the beginning of a whole process of how the end customer is going to be served by the fi financial advice community. I think what we're going to see going forward from here is much leaner businesses, more agile businesses, uh, and more profitable business as well. I also see them reaching out and uh, being able to deal with Middle Britain, the mythical mid Middle Britain that people have wanted to, talk, wanted to deal with but found it too expensive to do so. So I think all sorts of opportunities are open, opening up in front of us to be able to serve a broader range of customers. So I think it would actually doesn't feel like it some days. It certainly didn't feel like it this morning when I woke up. But I think we're at the beginning of a huge opportunity for the advice community in the UK. Do you agree, Mark? I, I do wholeheartedly. I think the, the access point, uh, the digitization will create much more opportunity to involve far more. And I guess really, you know, the, the word I'd use is productivity. I think John is saying it as well. It's just the amount that you can get done now. You know, I, I think what's happening here as a consequence of COVID is it's ushered in an acceleration of the adoption. So I guess, you know, if we just take, for instance, video conferencing, you know, we're all used to it on, on Instagrams and other platforms like Facebook. It just hasn't been in our in our workplace and, and, and now we depend on it um, I think there's there's you know there's there's a limit how far it will go but it certainly will bring um, huge improvements and does allow us to reach far more than, than we did before and I think it I also think across the businesses we're going to see much as we deploy this kind of technology and this is only the beginning of it I mean video conference has been around for years but actually because we've been forced into it we're using it and we're discovering you know, we're discovering traveling into London or traveling to Manchester. Is it really necessary? So we're, we're asking all sorts of fundamental questions about use of offices, deployment of resources and staff, training. All of that stuff is now is on the table. It's all the furniture really up in the air as far as as far as how we deploy technology. I've certainly heard from a couple of businesses that have decided on the back of this that they don't actually have any need for a physical office anymore. So they will never go back to their offices. They're just going to remain working from home. And that's um, a few months ago, Damien, that the, mm. the crisis in Britain was the crisis of the high street. It wasn't that retailers mm. in the high street would be a problem. I was talking to a, part, a senior partner in a legal firm last week in the UK that said, we're having a partners meeting, a virtual partners meeting, four o'clock to six o'clock. And on the agenda is why do we have expensive premises in the center of Manchester? And I think that's been replicated across the country. Now, that's a kind of knee-jerk reaction to it, I suppose, because the reality is we're all human beings and we all want places to congregate, meet and exchange best, um, best ideas. So that, that pertains in the financial advice community. It's always good to get advisors together and exchange best practice. So I think that will continue. But I think the, the deployment of video conferencing will absolutely take over. Mm. And, and thinking of your, your two businesses, let's stick with John. Um, John, you can go first because you, you, we're stuck with you. Um, how will your business look differently in terms of the service it provides to advisors, but also internally once um, we come out of the other side of this? Well, if I could take the, take the deployment of our staff, for example, in the first. So we've got offices in Manchester and Huddersfield and in New Delhi and in London. Um, so obviously the staff are asking and I'm asking, you know, what, what are these offices for? And I think we will have, have the offices. I think what we'll see is the ushering in of a much more flexible arrangement for, for workforces. People can, can come to the office if they choose or they may decide that they can work efficiently a couple of days a week at home. So I think we're going to see a, an introduction 
of, of all of that. In terms of the services, I think this is the moment when people are thinking about what else can we do? Personally, I would rather we, we, we really focus down on the services that we deliver to the end customer, and that is advice. If this, this pandemic has taught us anything, it's the, the need for reassurance, the need for advice from the public. We can see that, whether it's in financial planning and whether my portfolio is right or whether I need help around remortgaging my house and getting the best, get, getting the best terms. I think we need to get better, really much better, at, at joining all the dots in financial services. It's, for me, it's still, it's, still too, it's still too divided amongst the, the financial planners doing financial planning things and, and mortgage brokers doing mortgage broking things. I think there's a, there's a, there's a huge task in front of us really to, to join up all the financial planning and mortgage and protection, income protection and life cover. All of that needs to be looked at. And I think we need to get better at it. And I think the technology we're talking about will help us serve the end customer much, much better. Mm-hmm. And Mark, how, how do you feel that Tenet will, in what ways will Tenet look differently um, when you come out of the other side of this? Uh, the big part of what, what we're moving toward is, is a look through to, to the, the end customer. Now, whether that's through our network or we're providing uh, compliance services, our focus is actually what, what does that person experience? How simple is it, is it for them to interact, to see what their portfolio is doing, to see whether they're on the best mortgage deal or, or whatever that is. So actually making that connection through and providing useful information, perhaps on an app, easy to look up, just, just like you do your bank account, um, is really wh- where we want to focus. And then streamlining everything to that end, because there's, there's lots of stuff, as John's just said, it's, it's just not connected. And if you can bring those elements to bear to give a simple answer, and we all know simple answers are very complicated, but to give a, someone a simple view on their, on their, their, their drawdown, their, their accumulation, decumulation, whatever stage they're at in life, where they can see that. And I think, you know, joining together, because we, we run, you know, investment and we run mortgage, so we, we actually bookend a person's life, if you like. So when, you, when you're in your 20s, if you're lucky, lucky enough to have a, a mortgage or a deposit to, to put down at that stage, you're going to move through into you know, pensions and so on in your 50s and into drawdown and maybe end-of-life products back into mortgage again at the far end. And, and being able to manage that whole continuum with a focus around the individual, I think, is, is, is the key for us. And that's where we're, we're driving towards. And that is hugely enabled and assisted. By technology and there's a lot of elements of technology out there today that do some great work and it's just bringing them together in a unified format that gives people simple simple instructions simple updates in regard to what's going on and it just enriches the advice process because you push all of the the, the technical stuff out into the plumbing and allow you know a, a good advisor to do a good job and have that chat with the individual in a meaningful way and not be bombarding them with lots and lots of you know, hyperbole and three-letter and acronyms that they don't really understand. It's just making it very simple and, and being able to travel with them right through their whole life. Damien, Damien, I was saying earlier on, I thought we were on the cusp of something really exciting. And actually, this, this moment really is a, a pivotal moment because we're at the beginning of, say, looking at, say, open banking and open finance, the use of uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence. So all of that... All of that enabler, is good, as Mark said, is going to come into financial advice businesses. So they're going to look much slicker and more efficient in the future than they are today. And therefore, I believe they'll be able to reach out and offer a whole range of services to customers who probably thought they couldn't afford these services. There'll be a kind of democratization of the use of technology, which will bring this to bear 
And I think we'll be looking beyond just individuals, but looking at clusters, looking at families as a group and yeah. looking from cradle to grave. Mm -hmm. I think it's very exciting times. I suppose one of the um, one of the flip sides of that is that I often speak to people who say that advisors should be investing a lot of money in technology and you know clients these days they expect portals and they expect to be able to find out the value of their um, portfolios at uh, three o'clock in the morning. Um, if you're a small financial advice firm, maybe a one-man band, that might not necessarily be something that you can do quite as easily as, you know, one of the big boys. Um, does that pose problems for those, for those guys as well? Uh, Mark? I, I think, you know, the, the, for me, the, the beauty of technology is that it, you, you can now sum up lots of individual bits of technology to get to a, a really good answer. So I think the accessibility of the technology is far better. I mean, some of the stuff that we see um, nowadays, whether it's in the AI space or, or just, just, just good data management stuff that, that we're looking at, there's, there's just a huge amount of stuff. It's just bringing it together and making it function. So actually, I think even a small business has got, has got a chance in being able to do that. What I think is better is, is, is if there is an aggregator of, of that service, if you like, which, you know, declaring a bias, um, it's something I think that a network can, can uniquely do. And I think there's, in my experience, certainly in technology and in fintechs, you have to work really hard to make things simple. But once you get them simple and they work really, really easily, then I think there's, there's massive benefits. So for me, it's an aggregation of the elements into a singular solution, if you like, that um, an advisor can take advantage of rather than doing it from, from the ground up themselves and trying to piece together all the different elements. That, I think, is, is, is a very difficult job for you know, a small firm you know, all the way down to just a single person. I think that's, 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 quite, that's quite a challenge. Mm -hmm. I think also we're going to see, um, I think this will the strength, the strength of, of, of some very important networks will come to the fore. Um, and, and I think we might actually see a flight to quality where people will look around and go, right, so I need help with technology. I need help to run a business. Um, so they'll, they'll look around and say, so who, who are the people that I can go and can help me with this? So I think that will become a new, a new piece of criterion. Mm -hmm. mm. The ones that have got big, big backers, for example, and I realize that I'm speaking to two of them. Um, so maybe you might, as, you, as Mark said, you might be biased. Um, do you think there'll be um, a change in, in, in demand for network membership uh, at all? Uh, maybe an increase, John? Um, of, of course, the regulator has always held, largely held the, the, the whip hand on that. I mean, I'd always believed that, um, that, that PI insurance and the combination of capital adequacy and perhaps rising regulatory standards might make people, and then in some ways that's a negative reason for coming to join the network. But I think... Uh, and from this point on, I think we will see people being very interested in what, what a network can, can bring. I think the very reasons why people joined in the first place, if you were a small business, still pertain. But I think the future of networks will be absolutely fine. For those bigger, well-capitalized networks, they will be absolutely fine. And I'll offer a real service to the small, which was largely a cottage industry still in the UK. So I think there's, there's plenty of future for networks. And Mark, do you agree? I do, and I think you know one of the things I've noticed over the last um, eight weeks or so um, is just uh, almost an awakening amongst our members where they're going, oh, right, now I understand why I'm a part of the network because you're, you're, you're stood by my side weathering this storm with me. 
you have the capital adequacy to be able to do it. In our case, we run our own PI business as well. So, you know, it, it really struck me um, that people think, you know, it's almost like disaster recovery. You don't need it until you need it. But then when, when you do, it, it's really performed. And that's that's the feeling I'm getting from our from our membership. And then it's a question of how that leaks out to, to others then to, to fully appreciate that. But I could very well um, see a scenario, as John describes, where the quality does come out because it's more important to be able to transact and get stuff done than it is actually uh, the cost and, and, and trying to drive price down all the time. I think, you know, it, it's important to be part of a, of a network. And, you know, I'm, I'm reasonably new to the industry. I've been in, in this role now just over a year. Uh, and, and I look at, you know, directly authorized firms. And I do wonder, when you think about the regulator, just how well those firms operate, you know, if, if, if they're not part of a, of a wider group and uh, with, with independent oversight almost. And just going back to the, that comment that John made about negative reasons for joining a, a network, um, I have noticed personally that the the emphasis has changed from networks recently, um, relatively recently, in the sense that you, um, it's not so much about joining because of the PI costs or the capital adequacy costs. It's about joining because of, you know, the technology that we can provide your firm with, for example, the back office systems oh, yeah. and so on and so forth. Is that is that um, is that something that uh, you think is definitely going on? Um, John, since you made that I, I comment. Totally agree. I totally agree with that. Uh, we, we recently appointed a new managing director to run the Sesame Network. And, and I spent a lot of time, a lot of time uh, with this particular individual, Richard Hills, uh, who came from Experian. And we've talked about our shared vision of what the, the future network ought to look like. And it really is built around business consultancy. Obviously, when someone joins the network, we help them with compliance services and so on. But the future really, and it's, it's a much hackneyed phrase, but it is about business development. And I think we have to work in partnership with, with businesses. So I, I, I see that. I sense that change, changed environment as well. And, um, and, 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 and we're very, very keen to promote that, that people will build, will build very successful businesses with inside the network. I guess, John, it's um, as somebody who's been around the block, if you'll permit me to say that. Um, just, just a few times. Um, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a change in the sense that you're effectively running um, what is becoming a tech company in many respects. <laughs> I, suppose, I suppose that's true, actually. I think, I mean, actually, the future, and Mark touched on it, but the future financial advice business will have technology right at its heart. It will do the heavy lifting. AI will, will do the, the MI and interpretation. Open banking, open finance will all be there. I think we'll see much, much more professional, technology-driven people. And, and advice will lie right at the heart of it, of course, because ultimately that's what the customer wants. The customer comes to an advice firm not to sort of stare at their technology or or the wonderful suitability reports. They come to the business because they're looking for someone who can offer them reassurance, guidance, and solid advice. And that's what we want. We want to help people run good businesses and free the advice capacity so they can get out and deal with so many more customers who desperately need advice. And this pandemic is showing it, that people need advice right across the waterfront, both for themselves and for their families. Mm. And Mark, as someone who you mentioned yourself is, is relatively new, do you see um that shift towards technology being important do you see networks as being becoming tech businesses in a, in a sense I, 
I think it's probably true in, in the world today, you know, if, if you're not becoming technologically advantaged, then you're not going to continue. So you know, our, our mantra is advisors will be replaced by advisors with technology. I don't, you know, there's, there's, there's an element of, uh, I guess, robo and, and uh, smaller transactions happening by way of technology. But I think without a doubt, um, digital and technology will transform this business. And, you know, frankly, if, if those of us within it don't do it, then somebody from without will do it. And, you know, it, it will be an Amazon-type solution that would all think, oh, cranky, that's, that's so straightforward and simple. Why didn't we think of it? So I think it's, 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 it's upon us to go and figure out how this will operate. And I think technology, is, it's, it's a massive tool at, at our, at our uh, ability to go and implement, which would make some, some huge changes, I think. And, you know, having grown up in technology all of my life, uh, and when I look at the FS industry, I just think it, it's ripe for that sort of consolidation and refocused uh, focused attitude, and I suppose a bit of leadership as well, in saying, look, here, here's how we're going to do it, and, and here's why it's going to be better. Um, and I think that's what the, the, the market and the customers will respond to. And uh, will this put any will the, will pressure on the cost of being a network member? Um, sometimes uh, you do hear advisors complaining about uh, about the costs that they uh, they have to pay as part of the, me the membership. Uh, John, uh, I think we're f well we're we're far we're far too early into. I I think um, if we take today's today's situation, then I think network members pay. Are, are, are looking across the industry, they, they pay a fair amount uh, to the people that look after them and provide PI cover and, and com compliance and so on. So I think that's okay. So when we look out into the future, it's very difficult to say whether whether actually, as I said, with technology democratising and, and it, perhaps it becoming cheaper to deploy, who knows which direction it will go? Who knows which direction PI cover will go? So I think we're far too early to begin to talk about the cost of, of membership, or indeed the cost of running a financial advice business in the UK. Because we know, and, and, and from our directly authorised people, it's become increasingly challenging and increasingly expensive. And I think perhaps the dialogue we have to have with, with our regulator around that whole piece. Mm. Mark, what do you think? Um, yeah, I, I suppose, I, I think the cost, there's, there's a cost of providing the service, there's then a value for that service. So, you know, can you sufficiently, you know, improve what you do to be able to achieve a better margin? And I think the answer to that is yes, you can. I mean, if you just, again, go back to the point uh, on, on productivity, you know, if, if an advisor can conduct, let's call it three, four reviews, I don't say an initial, you know, setup with, with, with the client, but three or four reviews, annual reviews in a day by way of video, I mean, that, that, that's a three or fourfold increase in regard to, uh, the productive that we see today, where you know we have our own advisors in, inside the business who may take a day to go out and see something, got to drive to them, see them, obliged to have a bit of lunch with them or a cup of coffee, and then drive back again. And, and it, it's 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 a, it's a huge waste of time. And and if, if you deconstruct the whole advice process and, and move out the more clerical stuff into more clerical roles, again freeing up that expert advisor's time to spend proper quality time with individuals, then I, I, I think I think there's room to improve the service significantly and improve the margin significantly. And, and those two things shouldn't be mutually exclusive. We have members in our, in our business who do exactly that. You know, we, one particular advisor takes 22 weeks, not days, weeks holiday a year. And he has some of the, the, the happiest customers that, that, that we know of. Uh, and he provides a very good service that they really appreciate. Mm. Well, he's probably not going very far now, if that's any consolation. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. Though knowing him, I think he'd find a way if he had to go. <laughs> Excellent. Well, um, thank you very much, um, John Mark, for your time today. And thank you very much for listening. I certainly found that interesting. And it will be an interesting few months to see uh, how the um, financial advice industry uh, evolves and moves through and on from this particular period. Thank you very much both. And thanks again for thank listening. You.